Hello one and all and welcome back to the Gift of Gaming podcast. Have you ever dreamed up a game but never got the chance to speak it into reality? On today's Gift of Gaming podcast, we're going to dungeon crawl into the creative recesses of our gamer dreams and work together to try and speak a game from a dream into reality. Welcome to the Gift of Gaming podcast, Game Dreamer. Hello one and all, I am your debut host, Luke Maycock, aka Mr. Xbox Game Pass himself, and you're all very welcome to the debut episode of our new series, Game Dreamer. Today I'm joined by the beneficent brothers Nolan, Craig, and Colm. Craig, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? How you doing, Luke? Oh, I was about to say Darren, but I was able to correct myself the last second. Thank God for that. Yeah, but, you, uh, nice you, to be here. Congratulations you, on your hosting duties. Thank you. Yeah, you notice that I'm not Darren. I'm actually a giant Kirby that's eaten Darren and gained his powers of hosting. So yeah, no, it was great to have you, Craig. Colm, how are you doing? I'm good, Darren. How are you? <laughs> no, right. yeah, I, I feel that one. <laughs> Can't get nothing past you, Craig, but I feel calm. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing fantastic. It's great to have the two of you here today. A uh, bit of a weird one, or a bit of a uh, different kind of concept today, I suppose. Uh, what we're going to get into is we're going to try and do something a little creative. So this episode is called Game Dreamer. And the purpose here today is to take a gaming idea something that's kind of been playing on one of our minds that we've kind of, you know, had over the course of our lives. Like we've been playing video games our whole goddamn lives and we've been thinking about them our whole goddamn lives. And surely we have some kind of little inklings as to what could make a feckin' great game. So I'm going to be going to one of you today. Uh, Craig, you're going to be kicking us off our inaugural episode and Wait. giving us a little look at the inside of your brain and what kind of game... <laughs> Nobody should see that. <laughs> a specific part of the inside of your brain and what, <laughs> what, uh, what a game you uh, have for us today. So I'm really excited. Uh, myself and Colm are going to be doing our best job to kind of dive in with you and try and flesh out the idea and see where we can go, see if we can create something funky fresh. Okay, I really, that sounds all right. Yeah, I'm really excited. So do you want to kick us off? What do you have for us today? Um, well, I, I thought you usually do the segment on what we were been playing. Are we not doing that? Are we going oh, straight into the deep end here be, with the actual I would the main be, show? Do you know what, actually? Because I even get to talk about Zelda last week and it really annoyed me because uh, we went straight into the Final Fantasy thing and I was like, I have so much new Zelda information. You've that got, like, you got a lot of pent-up Zelda energy. That is actually my favorite segment of the show. <laughs> I'm not going to like what we've been playing. So please, what have you been playing? Okay, so I'm playing Zelda in case no nobody knew, right? So I'm a good chunk of the way into it now. I've just finished my fourth temple. I've mm. got the master sword. I'm closing in on most of the like significant side quests. And I'm still just having a really great time. I'm trying to get it done before Final Fantasy 16 comes out. You know, oh, I haven't yeah. even started the demo. But it lasted me an entire month of just constant wanting to play it. And I think it's really... You know, hit its marks as a 10 out of 10 game for me because I've been excited to play it constantly, you know, and constantly mm. relearning, doing different things with it and just improving my gameplay and improving the things I create, you know, just enjoying the new experiences that seem to pop up constantly. Like, it's not one of those games like Assassin's Creed where you pick a pocket and then, you know, you do that 10 times. Yeah. You know, there is a guy who, you know, you help him pick up a sign over and over again. But generally, there's a lot of new stuff being presented constantly. And, and you're it's constantly just excited constantly exciting me. That's I just love on the experience. It's pretty great. Like I'm playing it too, and so are like so is Geraldine, uh, someone we know. And so essentially, like we're all playing this game, but we're all just like going our own way. There's no set path, and like I could be talking to Craig about something amazing that I did, and he's like, 
I've never done that. And then yeah. uh, he starts talking to me about stuff, and I'm like, oh, no, stop. I'm spoilers. Like, yeah. I haven't done any of that shit either. It's mad <laughs> that you can be 80 hours in, and, like, people are just talking about what they did today. And I'm like, I did none of that. I have no idea what you're talking yeah. about. You know? And I didn't play Breath of the Wild either, so for me oh, it was okay. just kind of... Well, I played, like, a little bit. I didn't even clear one of the first uh, dungeons or right, yeah. beasts or whatever they were in that game. So for me, the world map was totally brand new, and then there's, like, a little change for you, which is the Sky Islands. But Those for changes me, are like, massive, because wow. e- even the grounds has been completely... Like, the locations are in the same place, but the puzzles and all the, the interest intricacies of the map are completely redesigned and set up for the new tools that Link has. So from high up, the map looks the same. But as you get closer to the ground, you see that, no, they've reworked everything. That's sick. That's really exciting because I had, I'm a huge fan of Breath of the Wild and I just haven't had the chance to get my hands on Tears of the Kingdom yet. But you were kind you had kind of predicted as much. Like you, I remember Craig, when the trailers were first coming out for Tears of the Kingdom, you were looking at all the new abilities and you were being like, oh, they've surely they've had to redesign yeah. everything from the ground up. Because just from what I saw with how pe- how creative people were, just with mag- uh, Magnesis, yeah. like just being able to move like metal objects around, people mm-hmm. were doing wacky stuff. So the fact that you could stick anything to anything, I'm like, okay, that's a new level of creativity. There's gonna TikTok is gonna have its own branch for this type of shit. Like, you know, like 100%. it's just gonna be Zelda. Like in ten years' time, people will still be like, what did this guy make in Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom? Mm-hmm. Like, you know? I think so because Breath of the Wild came out in 2016, I think it was, and up until the release of Tears of the Kingdom, we were still seeing new things being done with the engine. Like the speedrunners have min max the crap out of that game where they could do literally anything they can like fly backwards across the map using pots or something and they mm-hmm. like use hitboxes in really yeah. funny ways to do this cool like anime bow play stuff mm-hmm. it's such a sick game and to see all the additional possibilities that they've kind of brought out with the the system in tears of the kingdom i think that's that's so exciting. I can't wait to get my hands yeah, on One of the it. newest discoveries, as you said, was with pots and people using them as stabilizers, kind of like springs, because if you stick a bunch of, bunch of pots together, there's the under part, which is a bit springy. So if you put tree together, they'll form like an arm so they can kind of spring and bounce and go all the place. So you can build great suspension systems for bikes or planes or whatever you want just by putting a bunch of pots on top of each other. And they actually work as like suspension systems. They do, yeah, yeah. That's It'll great. even, you know, if you're on a bike and you bounce, the suspension will allow you the flexibility not to fall off immediately, you know? I know like, I'm sounding probably way behind the times on this, but this is all so exciting to me because I haven't <laughs> discovered any of this. It's like a... It's like when I played Half-Life for the first time and seeing how that physics engine worked and how things could like, you could have seesaws and like put weight on one end and the other end would go up. Mm-hmm. Seeing a new version of that come into gaming is, that's cool, man. That's yeah. really cool. I'm very yeah, chuffed. Massive. I mean, there's a place in the game called The Depths and it was great that Nintendo revealed nothing about it. And I'm not going to reveal anything about it. But once you see that for the first time, you'll lose your shit. Like, you'll just be like, oh my God, I can't believe like, they kept this a surprise. Holy shit. Color me excited. That, that's class. Colm, for yourself, what have you been playing? I'm like guessing Tears of the Kingdom as well. Yes, and pretty heavily. I even went so far as to abandon Advance Wars. Um, I was like, finished the first one and I got to like the last missions of the Black Hole. I just kind of lost steam and I was like, I want to play Zelda. So, yeah. you know, Advance Wars served its time. We got a podcast out of it, and I had some fun. But, hey, I got to move on to Zelda. I'm having a great time. And I don't think I'm as eager to play 16, like Final Fantasy 16, as the others. So kind of like your approach to Zelda, like I'll just leave it for a while. Hopefully one day it'll be 
free on the PlayStation but Game Pass. Very no, not Game Pass. That's an Xbox. Thing. <laughs> That's that Luke. They don't even get Final Fantasy 16. <laughs> so don't worry about it. Really? We're only exclusive. We got it. All, all Final Fantasy games come out on Xbox now, not straight away. But if it's okay. a year later, I already don't care about it. Like it's that. probably, it's, probably if it's not be day year one. Year. I would never get. We You'll got um. What did we get? We got fifteen on Game Pass, which meant we got like the Royal Edition. So you get all the DLC and stuff like yeah. that with it, mm-hmm. which was what is a sick way. It's like the way to play that game. Um. So yeah, I don't know. So. In terms of Final Fantasy hype, is Tears of Craig for you? Is Tears of the Kingdom? Are you still like really excited for Final Fantasy? Has it dampened that at all? Not at all, because it, for me, it's not even a Final Fantasy game. Like it looks oh. like an action game, you oh, know. And okay. plus, like that trailer for FF Seven remake. I know I shouldn't say this because I want more content, mm-hmm. but that just ruined FF Sixteen for me. All I can think of when if someone says Final Fantasy, I'm thinking Seven Remake Part Two. Right. You know, I don't give a shit about Sixteen. You know, even if it's a week away, I'm still like, I'd rather a three minute trailer than in, that entire game. I trade it in for a three-minute trailer, you know? God damn, so you're but way... I pro- I'll probably end up loving Final Fantasy sixteen. I'm going to get it day one regardless. Have you played the demo? I haven't yet. I'm just too involved in Zelda. <laughs> so I, I haven't played the demo. Obviously, I'm Xbox camp, so I don't have a PlayStation, so I haven't played the demo. I've watched playthroughs of the demo, though. It goes really hard and really dark. Like, it's the... This is going to sound a bit hyperbolic. You, you know... Sorry. As a Final Fantasy fan, coming well, like like growing up, you get new game after new game, and every now and then they kind of they kind of tease you with the idea of oh, this isn't the Final Fantasy you knew when you were a kid. Yeah. This is darker than ever. Mm-hmm. This actually is darker than yeah. anything. Know, but I've they fucked that up so many times. I mean, ever since ten, like twelve was a complete letdown. Thirteen was a complete letdown. Yeah. Fourteen. 11 and 14 were just online, so it was like, they don't even count. They shouldn't even be called Final Fantasy. The, the people who love those games go so hard for them. And <laughs> if those are MMOs, like, That's there's true. no business being called Final Fantasy 11 or 14. And then 15 just was a big, massive open world with nothing in it. You yeah. know? Granted, know. they patched it with a lot of extra content a couple of years later, but by all the end, like I said, I get, like, long since given up on it. Like, you know, I yeah. played it day one, I got bored of it, and then, you know, it's over for me. Yeah. I played that patch content as well. It wasn't didn't it didn't fix the experience uh, in my opinion and i actually liked that game quite a lot for what it was but um i'm getting a little away from myself here but the final fantasy 16 hype give it a chance give the maybe don't play the demo like wait so i'm not going to play the demo yeah. and i'm just going to look at the review scores i'm not even going to watch the reviews i'm just going to get the game and then just see if it can surprise me because i think yes. that'll do the job because usually i'm just a monster for content and I'm looking at traders constantly but mm-hmm. Zelda has kept me so occupied I haven't really looked at the FF16 content yeah. so I think I could get pleasantly surprised if it happens to be a good game yeah I do mm-hmm. leave yourself open for it because I think there's I do really think that there's something different there Colm are you excited on the yes I think it would be I was just wondering how the demo and the main game if they're different like if you get the main game will you play through that demo phase or is it like uh, remember when Metal Gear Solid Phantom Pain came out it had ground zeros as like a prelude game yeah it was only a few hours of gameplay but it was like well for instance they charged you like 30 or 40 euro for it was pretty high priced yeah (laughs) Um, but is it going to be a situation like if you play the main game is that also the demo's story and it continues or is it like its own little kind of marketing ploy where it's like someone's backstory or something like that. No, that that would that could be a cool way to approach it. But no, it's it's uh, the demo is taken straight out of the game and it's cool. exact. It's the whole intro sequence of the game and it goes on for quite a while. It's a pretty long demo mm. and um, it does carry over into the yeah main your game. your yeah. saves will carry over into the main game, so you won't have to replay it, which is a very clever move on their part. 
Um, but yeah, again, like the, the demo covers a very, I watched a three hour long playthrough of it. Like it goes a while. I was quite surprised how much they gave away in it. Um, but uh, no, going in blind, I think Craig is... If, yeah, I think if, I'm prepared for that. If I could get it, which I can't because I'm on Xbox. <laughs> but if I could, I'd probably go in blind too. Um, I probably wouldn't have watched any any demo stuff. Anyway, we're getting miles away from ourselves mm-hmm. here, but that was really lovely. I do love uh, hearing what y'all... No, I missed that segment for sure. Yeah, I was it's, really anxious to get some Zelda off my chest. Yeah, yeah. I could tell you really had some stuff to, <laughs> to shelve off there and you have made me sufficiently excited to get my hands on Tears of the Ooh. Kingdom. Good, because we need a third if we're going to do an episode about it. It's just me and Colin, so... Oh, really? Unless oh. Daniel wants to come on the podcast, we don't have a third to actually Ooh. talk about it. So Potential I'm like, what are we going to do? Yeah, possibly. I'd be, I'd be super keen. I'll have to see when I can get my hands on it, but uh, hopefully soon. Okay. You guys ready to dream some games? Let's do it. Stream some games. I'm super Here's excited. One I dreamt up earlier. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Greg, please. What is the one you dreamt up earlier? Take us okay, away. Okay, so I know you call this game dreams as though it's really, really creative and stuff, but this is something I taught about years ago. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, it's not really creative. In fact, it's very, I think it should have been done by now and like all the assets needed exist so this could, game could be made tomorrow easily. You know, I Sweet. know like you're just picking assets from different games to make it done. But, you know, I don't want to delay too much. But I don't have a title for it. But the general idea is Super Mario Maker meets Fire Emblem. So it's a Fire Emblem game. But like Super Mario Maker, you create your own maps and levels. So you use the Fire Emblem assets and like similar to the Advance Wars map creator to create epic long story campaigns or one-off skirmishes, depending on what the player wants to create. You know, Sweet. creativity is at your disposal. And um, so you were essentially the dungeon master in your own video game. Okay. That's just a kind of breakdown in a nutshell of the idea I'm kind of having for this. Um, yeah. So, right, step one would be in breaking all this down and how oh, you would do it. Oh, hell yeah. I love that you've taught this all the way through. Straight in if you fancy. Because I've been thinking about this for years, so I just had to put pen to paper, essentially. The kind of, without screenshots, without videos, it's, you'll have to bear with me because... It's hard to talk about this stuff and just keep talking and talking about it. No, so please. if you don't know what Fire Emblem is, this is going to be a really bad time for you. you know? uh, or XCOM or Final Fantasy Tactics. If you haven't played one of those, if you play one of those, you'll get it. So you know? take a second out, listener at home. If you're not very familiar, just give a quick Google of Fire Emblem. <laughs> look up a YouTube video or something like that. Get a feel for what the game is. Um, I d- Fire Emblem, Advance Wars, or Final Fantasy Tactics or one of those XCOM games yeah. or like Wasteland or something like that. But more specifically, like the top-down 2D. Yeah. I'm keeping it simple, like Game Boy Advance style for the sake of making it easier. You know, it's 3D... Okay. You can do that. That can be the sequel. Do the 3D version of the Super Mario Maker levels, like, you know, that type of thing. Okay, sweet. Well, Craig, the floor is absolutely yours, so take us through step one. Step one, we create our world map. So a basic drawing or an option whereby you can scan in a real photo using a QR code or something and then adding little icons showing where your locations or rather your levels are going to be. Reminiscent of an old school Super Mario world where you pick your level from the map. Uh, you can write in names of towns, mountains, countries, etc. So it can have as much or as little information as you want. That's the first layer. You can also use this map screen to set up your prologue or intro talking about a country from, say, the north and south that have been at war for hundreds of years. And then finally, after years of fighting, a peace treaty has been set up. And that's your level one. You know, type of thing going into the story. Um, this is all just one big dialogue box, like in the Star Wars uh, kind of intros but taking place on your world map screen so that you can get the gist of the story pretty quickly so again that's the first layer of 
this game. Sweet, Building okay. your map and then having your like intro prologue to set up the story that you were going to create. So can I ask you, are you guiding us through like what the what the playing experience would be like? Yes, from okay. starting up the game. Yeah. Create create game. We you know, type of thing. Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. Granted, I will have in this game mode, like because I've talked about it so much, I've already created my own stories and scenarios that I would have in. Class. So I'd like Love to that. include that, just like in Super Mario Maker, as like um, a built-in story mode that comes with the game, you know, to show you how to use the tools and stuff like that. Like you know, pre-existing levels to show you what's possible. Like D&D, like a one-shot campaign. Exactly, like, a campaign, know. and then you go off and create yours after, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, love that. Um, okay, so uh, next you create your levels to drop into the world map. So the world map's filled with these little icons, and now you're going to create the levels that go into the map, you know, when you click on them to, to join. So it's a top-down 2D map, like Advance Wars, Fire Emblem. This part very similar to the Create Your Own Maps in Advance Wars. You have your general plain or desert, riverbank, forest kind of backdrop, and then you have basic assets like mountains, rivers, castle forts, villages, that all just kind of occupy one tile or space, but give different buffs or penalties. Like a forest area boosts the evasion stat of whoever's standing in it. So you create your map, placing all these things to give it its own identity, whether it be a castle with walls that you want to invade or a narrow cliff path that a bunch of defenders will be defending against like a horde of enemies. And then you name it the enemy capital, Villainsburg, and place it into your map as an icon, you know? Sweet, love that. Okay, so that's step two. So you can I, can I jump in on a second here? Yeah, of here? course, yeah. Because I'm a little curious. Is this, <clears throat> is this going to be the same system... Uh, sorry, I'm trying to word my thoughts very particularly here. If it were me, it would be the Fire Emblem assets because that game closely resembles what I'm thinking. But if it was Final Fantasy Tactics or Triangle Strategy, you could use those gameplay elements instead. But what I mean is, so when so you have your overworld map that you've designed in your first step, and now you're talking about you might have like areas on that map that you go into and they kind of expand and it's sort of an Advance Wars style map and you can have different types of terrain and that kind of thing. Exactly. When and then once you complete that map, you'll move on in a different direction, either left, up, right, down, Sweet. to a different location based on the stuff you've, you've done in, the, in the, the level itself. Okay, I like that. So it determines where you come out on the world. Yeah, map that's being real. On. Generally, if you just want it to be straightforward, you can just have them go on a linear path, you know, and just yeah. do chapter one through ten. You could railroad mm -hmm. the, the player altogether. Exactly. But the, I would want this to be more creative and that you can go in different directions based on your actions or based on the, the options you made in so the that, game. Yeah, so that the option is always there to take the player in a different yeah, some direction. Some more D&D elements going into it, like, you know. Sweet. So what I'm a little curious of is, and maybe you haven't got to this yet, but um, is, there, is this going to be when you're in these then uh, areas, specific areas, is it going to be a random encounter system? Like in no, Final that's Fantasy? the no. next step. Okay, sweet. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're getting to it. <laughs> so yeah, getting into step three or the, the third layer, that's when you populate the map with enemies. Now, the enemies in my head come directly from Fire Emblem, at least in the version I'm thinking of, just mm -hmm. to simplify things. Yeah. So you would place a few like armored soldiers, archers, pirates, dragons, you know, whatever you want on the map to incorporate into your story. These enemies have the base stats for any Fire Emblem class, but you can choose like level two enemies, or if you want to make it a little harder, you could make them all level five. And this is, you know, your first chapter, so like a level five enemy is pretty good. 
there'll be an option to tinker around with, with that, those stats, but I'll get into that later. Okay. Um, then you'll have an area of the map for where you want the player to be able to place their units, so like enemies all over the top of the map, and now you can mark a few spaces in blue at the bottom of the map, just like in Fire Emblem, or allow the player more freedom to place their units wherever they want. You know, so in typical Fire Emblem fashion, eight to twelve units. You know, probably eight to start off, but you don't want to make this massive for yourself. But I mean, the option is there to have as many as you want. Okay. I would tend to keep it small at the beginning, just especially in creative mode. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's the third. So you have your enemies and you have your allied units now in the map. And the step four, the, the fourth phase, is kind of where the game really takes its flavor, like because um, it's a it's turn-based combat for anyone unaware. This is where you can move and attack with your units, and then once all your units have moved, you can end your turn, and then the computer moves their units on their turn. And then you rinse and repeat this for you know, day one, turn two, you know, that type of thing. So I'm you can name it days wars. or turns. Yeah, because yeah. I've played Advance Wars when I was a kid. So I'm kind of, th is, is that the kind yeah, of... Yeah, so it's turn one, then turn two, turn three, turn four, like okay. that. Okay, so that's just a, a brief synopsis of how the, the fighting kind of goes. So step four, we edit our levels during the different turns. So we have our, our level, top down, 2D, filled with enemies and the player's units. Now it's turn one, and we're going to input what happens specifically on turn one. So we can enter a dialogue box at, and have a picture of a character beside it to appear at the top of the screen, say for the enemies, and at the bottom of the screen for the player's units. So it's turn one, and we're going to have an enemy general give a big monologue, like, damn it, how could Mark's forces have reached us here at Villainsburg so soon? Uh, he, well, he'll not get past us, right, man? You know, like, that's the dialogue that appears next <laughs> yeah. to this kind of character Perfect. portrait. Then on the bottom dialogue screen, you have the player talking to his man with the player picture. We're doing great, man, just one final push. Now, if you want, you can leave it at that right up until the level is cleared and then add your victory screen and dialogue to go along with that. We did it, man, the city is ours, now on to the next fight. But that's putting it very simply, and the whole point of this game is to really mess with the, the turn order and the, the different stuff that goes along with it. Um, so the best thing about this game is during each and every turn, we'll be able to choose what an enemy or ally unit will say or do. So let's say the enemy AI are all set to hold their position until an enemy enters their attack radius, and then they'd attack. That's what the enemy AI are set up for, the for, say, the first four turns. But then you could decide that the enemy general is impatient. So turn five starts, dialogue box appears. The enemy general is like, this is taking too long. Let's crush them here and now. Close dialogue box. Okay. You know, right. Change enemy AI from hold position to, to attack closest enemy. This is the type of thing that would give you unlimited kind of creative freedom because you're changing the AI's behavior and the things they say. Um, I'll give you more examples, like turn six, edit dialogue box enemy general. Damn it, where are those reinforcements I requested? Close box. Turn seven, edit map. Add a few more enemies. Dialogue box. Um, ah, finally, now let's crush the enemy. Close dialogue box. You know, so you've created yeah, so a new scenario just by inputting a few uh, bits of dialogue and then just adding uh, enemy units to the map. Um, yeah, no, I love that. I, so, Craig, I'm absolutely loving this book so far. <laughs> this, is, this sounds... So freaking cool. As someone, like, I played a tiny bit of Advance Wars when I was a kid. I've played a bit of Fire Emblem as well, so I'm kind of, I'm roughly familiar with the, the concepts that you're grabbing for, mm -hmm. but I, th I think this is so... I'm just trying to break it down step by step it, to really 
show how you would you would do this yes. as a player playing the game you know I, I have a few questions but i have a feeling that you have a bit more yeah. well uh, the, the, kind of that's kind of the fourth layer okay. so you have your you have your level and the different actions that occur during each turn on that level yeah yeah okay so to repack recap everything because you know there's a lot From so step one you create a world map and written introduction on your world map, there are spaces for you to place levels. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Step two, or layer two, <laughs> create your levels with the different terrain and the place name. Step three, add the enemies and spaces for the player units. And then step four is use the different turns to add further character developments throughout the battle, have enemies react to your actions, etc., and then write your victory dialogue that will lead you on to the next map that you're gonna create. Yeah. Rinse and repeat for as many levels or campaigns you want to create. So like that's the game in a nutshell, but you don't have to create a campaign. You could do a once-off skirmish called the Battle of Helm's Deep and just create a character named Aragorn and have a bunch of enemy units in a castle. You can remake the Battle of Helm's Deep and then yeah. post that online for people to do the Battle of Helm's Deep. You that'd know what be, I mean? Yeah, that'd be the Posting online is very good because before that I was like, so are you using these like enemies and stuff, putting them places you want to then go and play this. And then I'm just like, but now you know exactly how it's going to exactly, go. Exactly, but those are just my levels. But yeah. you guys could play those levels and be like, Craig, that was a pretty good campaign. You know, yeah. like, because mm -hmm. it's like being the dungeon master in a, ca in a video game that you were creating. And the assets already exist because you can do all that stuff in Advance Wars. You can add the enemies to wherever you want. Mm -hmm. And in... Um, whenever you play a Fire Emblem game, if you go to those random skirmishes on the map, the enemies are always tailored to whatever level you've been leveled up to. So yeah. they have it there to, say you want to go into map two and like fight stronger enemies, they have it there that you can tinker with that and edit you know, uh, a base armor, um, armor knight from level two to level four, or just manually go in and edit his stats to make him more powerful depending on how you think how easy your difficult it needs to be that's you know? so sick i'm again i was thinking the same thing colin that like this has to be a communal thing like mm -hmm. a la mario maker because you can like download mario exactly. maker levels yeah. there was one thing that crossed my mind because in mario maker you do have a base condition in order to allow a map to be uploaded mm -hmm. uh, which is that's at least one person has to beat it yeah Isn't that and right? you as the creator have to be able to beat it oh yeah. sorry okay you as yeah. the creator have to be able to beat it that makes sense mm -hmm. so would that be would that be a necessary condition in this game well because you might maybe have because ends, it, it, you know? it occurred because even in, in a fire emblem game there are cases where you could go into a match and it is completely unwinnable yeah like if you let all your characters die and only went in with one character who was level two and all the enemies were level 20 you could never get past that level. Like, you're doomed forever I was until you say, restart the game. Because it's one of those cases where your players actually die, you yeah. know? And if they die, you can't use them again in the next battle. Yes. So there'd be an option to have that on or off. In the maps I'd create, I would make sure that they Mandatory permadeath? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'd also set the AI enemies to always be whatever your strongest unit... Like, if my strongest unit is level 5, all my enemies will be level 5. So that it encourages you to rotate your team more so that... You don't have an enemy who's super strong because all the enemy are going to be super strong if you have a super strong enemy. I would make sure that you will be punished for using the same characters over and over again, you know, type of thing. That so is. rotation and, you know, like these are just general things that I as a creator would do, but you don't necessarily have to do any of those. Yeah. My, que my question kind of came from the fact, and you're going to hate this as a comparison, 
but uh, in Crisis Core, at the end of Crisis Core, <laughs> you fight an unwinnable <laughs> fight. And that carries narrative weight. Like the, the fact that there's mm. no way to get past this carries a lot of narrative weight. And that's where the emotional core of that gameplay moment is. Like yeah. when you're, as a player, you're actually controlling the character and you know, you're like, <laughs> I can't win this. I have to lose. I refuse to lose. I, uh, I hate those situations because just like in Red Dead Redemption 1, the game is way too easy. And if they'd sent a thousand enemies at me, I could have killed them all, no problem. <laughs> and it was the same in that Final Fantasy game. It's just yeah. like, it doesn't matter how many you send. You're all rubbish. You know, I can easily destroy you. But they do have a cool <laughs> thing in where, where, when you're playing a Zack in that moment and your gauge Listen, system I just hate that game. I know, so I it's a terrible ending. I hate we, the game. And he doesn't fight 100 enemies in OG7. He gets killed by... <laughs> three guys and mm-hmm. dies instantly that's a lot I did this last screen. week so I won't go into it again but <laughs> fair, fair, fucking okay. Zach Fair sucks dick <laughs> <laughs> let's not run it back then um, yeah sweet okay so um, I'm trying to think like what is there any I'll rephrase the question a little bit is there any condition you'd put on um, creators in your game to meet in order to upload a map no but I would I would change the winning criteria constantly like in one map I would have um, you and your army are in the center and there's an enemy army to the left and an enemy army to the right and I would make sure that both armies are like there's no way you could take on both you either move all your units left and try to break through and escape like I'd have the condition being your unit has to get past the enemy and go to that square to escape but they either go left or they go right. And if they go left, they go to a new map that I've put to the left, to the west of that other map. Yeah. But if they go east, you know, bypass the, say, the red army instead of the blue army on the left, then their next map will be east. So they will go in that direction. You know and what I mean? And would you, in your, like, bespoke created game within this game, would you, have you, like, thought out a narrative direction that you would? Like, yes, completely. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. So you've, like... You've kind of created this system for creating games in your head. And then within that, you've created a game. Yes. <laughs> like, I, I can give awesome. you the very first level of the, of the level oh. of the game I've created because I like it's such a. To, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but like I love it as a creative concept You're to just it. get a level started. I love this so much. Colin, do you, do you mind if we go into his. his of course not. No. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. the first chapter one, the prologue, would just be 12 different units, one for each class. So you'd have an archer, you'd have the Pegasus Knight, you'd have an armored unit, but I wouldn't give any of them names. But, and I give them each a throwaway line of dialogue at the very beginning of the chapter. It's like, we have to get to the boat. You know, all of them will say something like that, just something generic that doesn't yet reveal their personality. Okay. But I will make sure that every single enemy then on the map is 10 times what your level is. So you're going to die instantly if you get into a fight. Right. But you've been, all 12 of these characters are a party and they've, they're running for their lives trying to escape because they've been completely overrun. And it's like, we have to flee to the south, get to the boats. But the boat, I will have four blue icons, meaning only four units can land there, land on the boat to get away. The rest have to either stay behind or, you know, it's, it's then up to the player. Turn one begins and you have all 12 uh, players at your disposal. And it's up to you to decide which ones are going to beeline for the boat and which ones are going to hold to defend while the enemy just fucking kill you. Is you it know? almost like a parody selection for what it's the rest of the game? It's basically, you're choosing your parody at the start of the game by process of elimination. That's the class. end of the Fellowship <laughs> of the Ring. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So whichever <laughs> one of those 12 characters arrives first at the boat, he's your main character. 
and all the dialogue from this point on will be written as that guy is the main character. Even his name will now populate after the mission ends. Right. You know? So you're going to have a ragtag group based on who you managed to save and who, like, so you might actually have, like, the kind of cowardly characters, you know, <laughs> didn't make it because, like, the honored, honorable knight stayed behind to defend. But that's up to you as the, like, as the guy to suss out which characters you wanted to bring with you. And I'd imagine most people are going to reset the game once they figure it out and do it again <laughs> to get the 12 they that got. they wanted or the main character that they wanted. And, and what would you get more snippets, more like uh, sights into their personality as the first level develops over exactly. time? So like once a, once a mission ends, then you can just have the dialogue box to appear at the top mm. and just put the character portrait in them. The four guys have a chat with them, or you know, two girls, two guys, whatever you manage to do, and they're just talking about, oh man, we just lost. And then you can name the eight characters who are just going to be the characters who haven't been named since, so it, you can right, name okay. all eight. Yeah. And be like, oh man, you know, can't believe we've been chased out of our kingdom. We're going to have to set up all over again in this kingdom, you know, but it's only a matter of time before that kingdom invades out and invades the country we're at now. Yeah. So the four of you then decide, let's fucking, like, we got to do something. Let's, we've arrived at this uh, kingdom in the south. I guess we'll just be mercenaries. We need to pay for some money. So chapter two begins, and then you have your four characters. Whatever classes you manage to save, they'll, like, you know, save a town from a bunch of bandits and get a bit of money, and then they'll be like, you know what, guys? I'm sick of getting caught up in all this. Like, um, we need a healer or something. And then one of the other guys might say, ah, you know, but I think we need to make a bit of more money. So maybe we should recruit maybe a thief or something, you know, start the old pickpocket thing. And then you have a branching path. Do you go after the healer class? So there'll be a mission that specifically deals with getting a healer, or there'll be a mission dealing with getting a thief. A thief. You know, so uh, they weren't one of the characters you got at the start. So now you have a divulging path or a side chapter that isn't part of the main story. So are you saying that you, for your own game, you would have an array of 10 characters and a random story based on... The story isn't random. I've written the story. Well, sorry. The, I, I who, who those players are at the start is determined by you, the player. And that, so... Even though their dialogue is already written. So would you have a... I guess my question is, do you have a different story planned out for each array of characters? No, it's essentially just you picking the character portraits. Okay. <laughs> That's all that amounts to, okay. you know? But I think it's a really creative way of doing that. Okay, like, sweet. Know, because I can't write 10 stories depending on everything you ever say. do. That's way too deep. I could try... But I know from experience and playing all these Telltale games that they don't really give you 10 different Dude, variations not every single choice. time. You can do this. I, like, I've played my share of like Wasteland 2 and 3, and they are very heavily like decision-based. So depending on how you handle a situation, whether it be no conflict, conflict, like talking your way through, like very often like they do bring you to different pathways. And you can easily get locked out of a pathway because of the stipulations you need to do. So before you're aware that there is like a pathway, you might have already made your choice. Mm -hmm. And like that game specifically has so many of those. So like if you taught it true, you could absolutely incorporate that into the I game. I have taught those um, true. It's like that's what I mean when I said there's a branching path where you, you choose an archer or you choose a uh a healer class and then there's branching dialogue for those two decisions but I couldn't do that for 12 characters and have each and every one of them now have their own story and I'd have to write yeah. the story well, yeah. 12 <laughs> times times 4 for each interaction those four because characters have with each other if the decision you make that determines the rest of the game is at the very beginning of the game you're talking yes. about 12 different <laughs> instantly games instantly you're, yeah. you're spiraling you've webs everywhere yeah. it's a fucking multiverse thing you've got going it on could, it could be done but my god <laughs> yeah. who, who would do but that but you could do that over time uh, that's what yeah. I'm saying like 
as someone who, like myself, I haven't made any of these levels yet, so it would probably take me hours to do each one. So I don't think I can make 60 just to cover chapter one, you know, of different variations, that type of thing. Yeah. But depending on the decisions you make then, then chapter two has to, you only get one side activity before chapter two begins. So you pick the medic or you pick the, the, the archer or the rogue or whatever. And then before each chapter, there'll be a pop-up of another two icons that you can do. And the previous icon with the archer will still be there. So with each chapter, you get one side activity to grow your army. And then you do a mission. And you're picking that from a list. And each time, two more will appear. But you can only ever do one. So you're creating a new experience. And you're building a team around what you kind of want from the game. And even if, say, like you um, were like, okay, this guy's an archer. There's still the option, like in Fire Emblem, to change the classes of whomever... Um, you want it's just for story purposes there'll be a pegasus knight throughout the story because you can't have different um you can't have different um, branching paths every time you change class like you, yeah there'd be no way to do that in this world an ai would have to do that like you know there, but yeah. i'm not capable <laughs> so there are limits on it i love can i just say like a little aside that for our first game dreamer episode the game that we've come up with is a game for making games, for dreaming up games. Yes. I love it. It's, it's meta. It's beautiful. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I love that, like, that you've taken it that way. But this is just a concept I've had for... As soon as Super Mario Maker came out, I was like, Fire Emblem should definitely yeah. do this. Why haven't they done this for yeah. every genre yeah. that exists? Because think of like the online community. Like, um, well, like you were saying... Me, they, I would immediately do the, the Battle of the Twins and have Rhaegar Targaryen fight uh, Robert Baratheon. <laughs> I'd be like, let's recreate that battle. Yeah. You know? And then someone would be like, but wait a minute, you're Rhaegar one. And I'd just be like, yeah, well, Maximum Cerulius wasn't supposed to win the Battle of Carthage, but he did, you know? That's so... You, uh, I'm a bit curious now. So like when you're talking about Game of Thrones related stuff, I kind of imagine Game of Thrones to look a certain way. Would the look of this game... I think you said this before, but would it be quite uniform? Would it be like... Because I'm thinking of the GBA style. Like yeah. in the GBA style, a pirate just looks like a generic pirate. An armored unit just looks like yeah. an armored unit. It's so easy to incorporate that into anything, mm -hmm. you know? So I think the visual from them games he's talking about, Fire Emblem and stuff, it's kind of like a medieval-esque kind of world. Yeah. So right. like you've okay. got towns and villages, nothing like sophisticated or overly techno technologically advanced. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of them are very like primal, in fact. Like you'll have humans and they'll be like you know in their towns like living their lives doing whatever but then you'll have beasts and monsters but then you'll also have different races and stuff you'll have like uh like what in zelda and stuff you've got the gorons and the zora it's the same for these kinds of worlds where you just have uh random not random races but lots of different races mm -hmm. and maybe some humans that can maybe transform into animals and, but as well you know, just uh, me talking about this i'm using fire emblem just as the base because those okay. assets are, are already there yeah. Well, I mean, you could easily have a bunch of dragons or, you know, like people with guns. I mean, you can create, it doesn't have to even be medieval. You can create Everyone. different types. As long as it's turn-based and you have your general kind of character types, you know, your classes, you know, like, but you can have a gunner or a dragoon or any type of stuff that doesn't exist in Fire Emblem. But everyone will be taking from the same kind of pool of assets. Exactly. Is, but that can, okay. be not, that can be a continuously, like you can add DLC forever. onto Like Super Mario Maker, for whatever reason, they stopped making the DLC. That was a stupid decision by Nintendo. They could have made DLC for that forever. I think, know? wait, didn't they do Super Mario Maker 2? Is they that did, why? and then they added a bit of DLC, and then it just stopped forever. Oh, okay, right. But, I mean, this is one of those games where, like, again, I wouldn't put this out on Nintendo because they'd, they'd fuck it up. <laughs> but, like, I would give it to 
Sony or Xbox because they could do it right. Like, you know, that's actually so okay. That ties into one of the questions I had for a bit later in the episode, but we'll get into this now. What system do you imagine this being played on? On a Switch would be the easiest because, again, I keep imagining Fire Emblem and XCOM and all these games that are Nintendo owned. No, XCOM isn't, but like. Fire Emblem, Advance Wars, those are very much Nintendo consoles, and the Mario Maker thing is Nintendo, but their online sucks, you know, and they also wouldn't let you put in graphic content, and I'd want this game to be as graphic as anyone wants it to be. Okay. You know, like, they can write in whatever stories they want. They can have someone just butchering, a, like, a city just killing everyone, you know, that type of thing. Right, so I'd want okay. it to be 18+, plus, just so the creative freedom is there for that to happen. So you, you know, So you wouldn't have moderators online being like, no, you can't say fuck, you can't say this. It needs to be 18+, plus, so it doesn't need to be policed in such a way. Okay, so you would you would allow like mature language and themes and stuff like that. Yes, because otherwise, then how do you gatekeep this game? <laughs> I guess, yeah. Like, because my... there's so much dialogue in there. Yeah, that, like you have because there's going to be racist views all the time by people. That's just how people are. But in order to not have every level pulled down, it needs to be 18 plus. You know what I mean? I get that. So, but how would you have like, as the person who's created this game, say? if people are like creating levels that delve and indulge in themes of like racism and stuff like that would you police that kind of content yeah completely yeah yeah right i just mean like you can't please everything but so long as it's 18 plus then you don't have to you don't take down a mission because it had the f word right you know you can focus on more serious things gotcha yeah cool yeah okay yeah i I totally get your 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 trust there i i think a few people when they're making projects like this, I heard a great conversation actually about, do you guys remember newgrounds.com? It's a flash animation and games website. And their kind of shtick was that they didn't moderate the kind of content that would end up there. Mm -hmm. And the problem that they ended up having was that the loudest voices are the ones that get heard and they have not great things to say all the time. So Mm -hmm. that was a big problem they had around moderation. But that's interesting. Okay, good to know. I think there's enough creativity there that like the right people... Like, because ev- there's so many great DMs out there. Oh, I yeah. think those type of people would play it, cool. and they okay. would create great, unique stories. So yeah, there's going to be some filth. There's going to be some bad stuff that you'll have to take down. But I really think you could have some really creative stories out there. I love that. I love that your mind went to DMs and like the creativity that they bring to a game of Dungeons and Dragons and like guiding. It's a story. very, very similar, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the conceptually that's that's what you're going for. You want a fantasy system where you can create a like uh, Advance Wars, uh, Fire Emblem, Final Fantasy Tactics style game mm-hmm. of your own, like your own story. Or you could recreate, like you were saying, uh, you could recreate the Battle of Helm's Deep. You could recreate famous events throughout the history. Battle of the Trident, have Robert Baratheon yeah. lose to uh, Prince Rhaegar, like slice him up. Yeah. And like, because even comparing like the Fire Emblem styles, so Robert Baratheon would be, for me, he'd be a level 15 berserker. You know, because he has the big hammer kind of axe. So he'd be a berserker, but he'd be wielding a hammer. And say Rhaegar Targaryen, I'd have him as a level 17 swordmaster with like a deadly sword. And you know, like he'd be in his red armor and Baratheon would be in yellow armor. So I just coat his team yellow and Rhaegar's red. And I just have them at the big battle in the big swamp. And I'd just be like, now who's going to win? I'm going to make sure Rhaegar wins. <laughs> Would there be a. Hmm, well, that just makes me immediately think of like, have you played. Uh, totally accurate battle simulator those battle simulator games like epic battle simulator where you can basically set up two armies and have the ai just 
go to town on each other and you just see who wins. Yeah, because you don't necessarily have to have a computer-controlled player. I mean, you could just set the AI on both sides. Yeah. So that, that is definitely possible. I haven't even considered that yet. That would be so cool. So that, that opens up a new branch too. Like There could know. be like an exhibition mode where you could set up like... You could... Because AI, it's not... There can be RNG elements mm-hmm. to the gameplay so that an AI, two computers playing at the same encounter doesn't have to go the same way each time. Like if it's close enough, if the stats are close enough. But like I would have a system in place for that with every single unit, you can input what that unit's behavior type will be. Whether it's stand still until an enemy gets in your path or just move forward and fight whatever you can to protect that unit. Okay, to yeah. when your HP, like a gambit system in Final Fantasy XII, to once your health gets below 50%, use a tonic, use a vulnerary, use a, a max potion, you know, that yeah. type of thing. Yeah. So you're setting all these gambits or rules within the game. Mm-hmm. And like, like you were saying, this is all like very doable. Uh, it's completely doable, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that goes back to your point of you, you don't understand why someone hasn't made a game like just this. Just because before. it has so much potential for just being an endless fun game to play or something that DMs could jump on and then be like, yeah. oh, hey, because it doesn't necessarily have to be one player. Like, you know, you could have one person controlling a specific unit, you know, or a couple of units, you know? So, like, it couldn't be turn-based, but not one player, like the Fire Emblem games are. It can mm. easily be four-player and it's essentially just a big uh, dungeon master campaign. You know, okay. if you want to see it that way. In my head, I see it as a Fire Emblem game where you're creating branching paths. But essentially, it could be a, a dungeon master's creation and you're going in these different directions. So can I ask you then, like, um, in terms of this, like, if you're treating it like a dungeon master or like DM, uh, D&D and stuff like that, um, are you thinking that, like, there's a way that you can maybe, like you, you said earlier, that there would be a medic or a healer and you'd also have a thief and stuff like that. <laughs> now, will there be like skill checks that like only certain characters can make, or will it be an ability they can only use within the game? Or let's say like in the background, like again, if you go for the thief in the backstory to a, a mission, is there maybe like a locked no uh, door? No, because or... you are the creator, so you can edit that character's stats. So even if a thief's at no, level, no, not stats. So I, I mean like and abilities. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So is it like? But will there be skill checks specifically? There will me? be, and you can because. Basically, just using the Fire Emblem assets from like the recent games, like characters get skills as they level up, and you, you kind of can choose these skills from a list and give them to your character when, say, they get to level five right. or ten or twenty, or when they do a class into like they get to their secondary class. Because in Fire Emblem, you go from one to twenty, and then you have when you hit level twenty, you can't go beyond that, so you have to change your class into an advanced class, and then they have one to twenty again. So you would set skills for those particular characters at any kind of point you want as the creator. Or if it's a battle of, say, like I said, with the Trident and it's Rhaegar Targaryen versus um, Robert Baratheon, you can just give them pre-existing skills that those classes wouldn't even have, you know? Because they're just assets from the Fire Emblem game. So you can give them the sword plus five damage perk or the light, the, the vantage move that, like, if an enemy attacks you, you always strike them first. Like, you can just give them 10 abilities that they shouldn't even have because you're a god in this world. You're cr- it's a creation mode, you know? I so guess you can tailor these abilities as you see fit. If I uh, uh, want to dive down into your question a little bit, Colin, are you inferring that, like in a D&D campaign, when you want to do something that's not related to combat, you have mm-hmm. to pass skill checks. Exactly. You're so asking as if there's a system. As opposed to an ability, like an actual skill check, where you yeah. might have certain characters, like again, like 
in, even in Fire Emblem games, characters have strength, dexterity, and so on. Mm -hmm. So is there ever a point where those, like, let's, again, you've, you've just maybe mentioned uh, each individual skirmish, and you said that they'll link up, and based on your decisions, you'll go certain places. But then are you going to have, like, towns and stuff you can go exploring like in those other games where you can go around there might be a shop uh, a magic shop you a coliseum some villagers try and break a door down in, you could be a dick you could be a nice mm -hmm. guy and help out but are you gonna you can have save that. that stuff for the sequel but for me that's that's <laughs> just that's just a dialogue box and the characters like Why you'll, save it you'll see it because you'll see about i don't want to have that much needed like i don't want to have the character walking around for me it's just you choose the location and you're there and okay. then a different the story kind of pops up but if you're saying like if you want to have the two characters go into an inn and talk like i'd have them choose the inn and then they're in there and then the dialogue pops up and the two are already having their conversation so because okay. that's very easy to do this is cool this is cool this is a cool little junction that we've come to because what we're getting into the core of now is what is the gameplay loop of the game. So what are the core elements of this game that make it the game that it is? So like to explain very briefly for listeners what a gameplay loop is, it's just the thing that you do again and again and again. So like in Tetris, a block appears at the top of the screen, the mm -hmm. gameplay loop in Tetris is then get that block to fit the pattern of blocks down the bottom of the screen and you just re rinse and repeat the gameplay loop. Mm -hmm. So Craig, what you're saying is that in your system you don't feel that there would be room for skill related things outside of combat. You'd like the dialogue to yes. be. This is where the D and D crossover ends. Like okay. you're not going to have like, Oh, will I roll a dice and see if my character can do this or do that? Mm -hmm. Because then you've a branching path every single time one of those actions is taken, Yeah, you know, and I can't, it's just too much to make in a game. To have that, a DM can do that on the fly, but a guy creating a level can't know what that person's going to do. Right. So you're saying in terms of, I, I get where you're coming from. I absolutely, I love where you're going with it, Colin. Mm. I, I think what you're getting at, Craig, is that if you were to, so yeah, like if you're playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons and you decide to try and uh, express your agency on the story and take it in a certain direction, mm -hmm. the dungeon master kind of has to go with you and create the story in yeah. that direction. I mean, I will give you a yes or no moment, which will okay. determine if you're going to that mission or that mission, but it's not going to be constant. You know, you're not going to okay. be constantly choosing these different mm. paths. Okay, cool. But after a mission is complete, like on my story, there will be loads, of, like it's not just like onto the next mission and it begins. Like there'll be lots of dialogue with kind of transitional backgrounds to showcase that the, the players are moving to the different location or they're celebrating their win around the bonfire or they're just getting to know each other. These would appear as just text boxes and character portraits and they would trigger based on uh, you winning that kind of map or like the, the certain units that you had with you, you know? So like similar to how Fire Emblem works, it's like a, um, a bonding system whereby um, the more you use the same units, the more they start to get better acquainted and then they have extra dialogue options that pop up and make them better acquainted and better fighters together. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so okay, so the, the core gameplay loop of what you're talking about is it would all be... The, the, where the gameplay happens within a game in this engine is combat. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the, the heart yeah. of the game. Otherwise, plan. you're just writing a story and the combat is the game, you know? <laughs> like... Like, because everything in between is just a book that you've written yourself, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. So again, um, like, for, like, just to jump in really quickly, like, I feel like there's a massive element to this game that you as the creator are 
missing out like and this could go for anyone uh, again like you know these games where you get and you just have a town it might not always be a town between each battle but if you go into this random area it's still top down you're just moving around there's just like maybe four or five buildings in this small town and then you know again someone is inside each one of them uh whatever is inside there you have the option as the creator of your own game to say okay well in this one here there's an old monk and that old monk has a really cool secret that will like if you go in this direction you'll get this certain item or you know they might like have but, an optional dialogue quest mm-hmm. if you want to include yeah. it there but for you to just not include it into the game i feel like that's like as I me just, as a creator i, I think i love that i don't know how to do that <laughs> right i don't know how to create any of these games but like having your characters actually move around like I don't know if that would be too difficult to do as a as a game veteran on top of all these things well, that, to have that in your creation process. That's kind of the beauty of the concept of Game Dreamer is that there, there's technically nothing that's off limits. Like exactly, it, it, yeah, it, yeah. the technology, as you already said, exists. I don't think uh, like you're just you're creating a still. Like if you can like use a grid based system on a map to move around loads of units. You can have one unit represent your entire party true. and move freely within a confined space. And, that's and exactly there's what like doing, NPCs yeah. in that space. You don't have to do but anything to... NPCs too. on a world map? No, 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 not in the world map. So you have your world map, and like you're saying, you've got a little trail, you can go places, but mm-hmm. what, you're going to have a barren map where there's no towns? Like You would want to maybe have like a town go in there and resupply, get new items, new weapons, uh, maybe so you sell your items. The, you walk into the town square and it expands just like a, mm. the mountain square expands into a mountain battle arena instead. Mm. The town square expands into a town where it's peaceful. Yeah, I mean, you could there. definitely do those things. It's just those are the activation keys for starting new chapters in my game. In how I would create it, mm. by clicking on those spaces, that sets up and that's the trigger for the next chapter to begin. You know okay. what I mean? So if you're just going all over the place and choosing these icons, it's like, well, then how did your, your journey start or how did it progress? Because if you're just doing the creation mode, how are you setting it up that the next level is going to start, you know? Because I'm just using very basic commands to get the story moving, you yeah. know? No, I totally get where you're, where you're coming from. I think the way it would be done then is kind of, kind of like any of the RPGs that we played. Like in Final Fantasy VII, when you leave Midgar, there's a very limited choice of places you can go to and therefore the story must continue in one of these places now if you're talking about making a game where you make fantasy games you'd kind of in order for it to actually work the player making the game would kind of have to understand they'd have to ride the line of where railroading the player is appropriate and where more open choice is appropriate um, which isn't always very evident to like professional game designers. Mm-hmm. So I can I can see, I I feel the merit in the pushback that you're giving, Craig, because I do think, I do think on the one hand, like it's it it would be fantastic. I love the idea of a town system. I love to be able to go into a place and there's all these different characters and, and have and, skill checks and have skill checks and like yeah. have and that could be the fifth layer. You have a base town and then you update that with each chapter like in the turn system hell yeah in fact it, that, those assets already exist now that I think about it because if you're changing one location every turn yeah. you can just have it set that each chapter is a turn so if you have a hometown yeah. chap, turn one is chapter one 
but then turn two can be chapter two, and then you can edit and add whatever you want to that location 100%. yourself. And so yeah, you could do it just with the assets I've already mentioned. And like. your activities in the story could determine how, in a particular game, could determine how your hometown is developed. Maybe you do something where it gets set on fire, it gets mm -hmm. attacked when exactly. you choose yeah, to yeah. go somewhere else. That could have such narrative weight. That but could like, be so th cool. there's no creative shackles on this whatsoever. So, <laughs> what I mean yeah. is, if if it can be done, do it. And because yeah. it's not me making this game, so I want someone to go out and fucking use this yeah. core concept and go above and beyond. You know. Yeah. To be clear, I guess the the main message here on the Game Dreamer episodes, the main thing we're trying to do is just delve into the meat of what there is. To, that was a lovely knuckle crack. Sorry. <laughs> no, that was great. I loved it. Um, and just put it out there for the world to see and get really excited about it and get stoked on. Um, I'm going to take the second to do a tiny bit of housekeeping because if you listening at home have an idea of a game that you've had dormant in your brain for ages and you've really wanted to just get it out into the world and you don't know anything about game design like us and you just know video games, like you've just played them your whole life, you can send us an email to thegiftofgamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's thegiftofgamingpodcast at gmail.com uh we'd love to hear your ideas it's it's been really fun to start off with a a local like native idea from your own mm -hmm. brain craig um i definitely have a few ideas myself uh that i'd love to get out there but primarily i'd love to hear from our audience i'd love to hear i'd love for our audience to float ideas to us in as in the way that you've done craig you've given a second great example of how to lay out like you've laid out all the steps of how far you've thought your game through and it's been so feckin' cool to hear you out and to like expand mm -hmm. on that. And I'd love to do that with the audience. That would be that yeah, would be Yeah, and don't dream. feel discouraged to share your thoughts with us because we are not game developers, so we aren't gonna steal your your ideas. Yeah. Yeah. And you can steal mine and just buy me a beer, make that game. I just wanna play it like, you know. Yeah, that's that sounds absolutely class. Uh, buy Craig a beer, get a Patreon subscription to patreon.com forward slash the gift of gaming for the cost of a coffee each month you can have access to content early and you can have access to the post show which is what we're going to be jumping into shortly gents i think we're gonna i think we're gonna leave it off there nice. that really was super good. exciting i feckin' love that that was because as soon as you read, said that idea i was like this is a chance for me to like tell someone my idea or just yeah. put it out there like you know? and i don't i push back against something you said really early on in the podcast that you said this wasn't like a creative endeavor for you I think it is. I think the creativity just happened a really long time ago for you and you've just exactly, had this yeah. kind of story. It's not my dream to make this game. I yeah. just think it would be a really good thing to make that would allow you to create your dream matchups, you know? In, yeah. in similar way to how Sakurai like put Smash Brothers, like he did thousands of spirits and each spirit is just a fighter with like a different outfit on meant to represent a different character that isn't in there. This is your way of being creative without actually having all that stuff, like, you know, yeah. recreating battles that you were annoyed that went one way, so you recreate it and you make it go the other way. You yeah, know? I love it. I, I, I think it's absolutely sick. And if it was actually a game on the Nintendo shop, I would, I'd love to play that on the Switch. I think the Switch is a great format for it and everything. Um, yeah, that was, that was absolutely sick, Craig. Thank you so much. And Colm, thank you so much for joining me. Um, thanks for sticking around for this fun, freaky new episode idea. This was my little passion project within the Gift of Gaming cinematic universe. So I'm super grateful for the opportunity to hop on and do this. And thank you to Darren for 
stepping we've no darren for this episode guys and i think we've he's only like 20 feet away like peering over a he, couch he's right. watching but, you right but now. he's but he's looking at his phone and he's not looking at me and so he's it's probably like, really worried if I it's going to <laughs> he probably is actually he's texting you he's like you're fucking it up man <laughs> you're ruining it up <laughs> well i do not disturb mode on so i haven't getting any no, of congrats those texts. luke on your first uh, hosting duties that yeah. went off without a hitch <laughs> that yeah. was super fun well played uh, sir thank you to the two of you for joining me and making it so easy thank you to the audience for tuning in and once again if you have any gaming ideas that are lying dormant in your brain you'd love to see them given some love attention and creative effort that we tried bringing you today don't forget to email us at the gift of gaming podcast at gmail.com be sure to tune in next week we have a genre corner coming up for survival games we have andrew hosting his first episode darren will be joining him on that and so will chris and now our patreons can join us for the post show which we're about to go and do but for all of our listeners Please keep enjoying the gift that is gaming. Thanks, guys. He said it. I said the thing. (laughs) Thanks, folks.